0: Hello, and you're very welcome to Maritime Ireland. This is Tom McSweeney with the Maritime Ireland radio show. Ireland's connection with the sea is as old as time itself. The sea around our coastline, our inland waters, our lakes and rivers are all part of Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. Socially and economically, they're vital to this island nation. The Maritime Ireland radio show and podcast brings together Ireland's maritime community. On this edition... Climate change is affecting the oceans, and a wandering walrus may have a message about it.
1: We need to heed the warnings that our seas are shouting to us. Rapid changes in the behaviour and distribution of oceanic wildlife are one of the clearest signs of all that things are amiss, and that urgent and meaningful action is required. A walrus hauling itself onto boats along the south coast of Ireland might, for the time being, seem a fun, offbeat news story. Future generations may perhaps see it as the beginning of a tragedy.
0: Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland who will discuss the movements of seabirds in the oceans and on Irish waters and how Wally the Walrus relates to them. And a very contentious issue. Has Ireland lost control of Rockall?
2: The problem right now is that we are seven months on from the outrageous intervention by the British government keeping Irish boats out from what is their historical fishing grounds and active Supreme
0: bad faith. That's the view of Padraig McLaughlin, marine and fishery spokesman of Sinn Féin, on a situation which could cause losses of millions of euros to the Irish fishing industry. We'll discuss whether living on the water is a viable concept in Ireland, and hear from an Anglo-Irish artist who wants to bring his exhibition about global shorelines to Ireland. First, let's hear from someone to lift the spirits and why, even under pressure, there's no time for anxiety. I talked on this show a few weeks ago to Peter Lawless from On in Kerry, also the home place of the famous Tom Crean. Peter told us about his intention to sail around the world alone, non-stop, attempting to become the first Irishman ever to do so. He has set Saturday, August 21st, for his departure from Kilrush Marina in County Clare. And he's on the line now to tell me how his preparations are going.
3: I know, everything is going well. Uh, It's a bit hectic, but I mean, that's to be expected. uh, I got super value on board
0: to supply all the food. That's great. Um, Most great, in fact. It's all
3: going well, Tom. It's all going very well. Nice weather to cross this game be, would be lovely.
0: And... Preparations are, I mean time running out, so it's getting I suppose a bit more tense, is it?
3: Yeah, it's uh, um, it's, its going well, it's going well, so it's not that stressful, I mean it, it's its a long day, but I mean it'll all pay off and I like things right, when everything's right, as my time at be, will be a lot better, so I mean it's going well, I'm very happy with it.
0: No, no anxieties showing up so far? Now there's a man full of determination, confidence and hope, lifts the spirits talking to him. Cork artist Siobhan Fleming has linked up with him to draw paintings of his voyage based on the experiences he'll be telling her about. I hope everything goes well for him. We wish Peter Lawless fair sailing. Raging alone around Ireland, Britain, even France and possibly Spain, having come from the Arctic and being spotted first in Irish waters at Valencia in Kerry, in March, Wally the Walrus may have travelled over 2,000 nautical miles and has reappeared in West Cork. Could his presence be a message about climate change of which we've been hearing so much since the United Nations report and the joint one from our own MetAaron, the Environmental Protection Agency and the Marine Institute? Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland has a view on that as he reports good news about seabird colonies on Irish waters.
1: We at Birdwatch Ireland tend to talk a lot about our ongoing work to conserve roseate terns on Rockabill Island off the coast of North County Dublin, and for good reason. It's one of the most successful conservation projects in Europe, and, thanks to the support of the National Parks and Wildlife Service and the Commissioners of Irish Lights, for more than 30 years now our wardens and project managers have literally changed the fortunes of one of Europe's most beautiful yet most endangered seabirds. I had the great privilege of spending some time on Rockabill Island myself this summer, right when the tern nesting season was getting into full swing, the sights, sounds and, yes, the smells, of a huge seabird colony like this can be almost overwhelming, and for a lifelong bird lover such as myself, it was an experience that will not soon be forgotten. I hope you'll forgive me going on about Rosia turns yet again, but I wanted to share with you the wonderful news that 2021 has proven to be the best year on record for these elegant, graceful seabirds. A total of 1,704 pairs nested in the Rockabille colony this year, which is a record-breaking total. At a time when there's so much doom and gloom in the world, and we find ourselves facing so many negative stories about conservation and wildlife, it's nice to be able to report a bit of good news for a change. At the moment, the roseate terns, along with the common terns and arctic terns that nest alongside them, have finished breeding and are now building their strength for the long migratory journeys ahead of them. For a month or so they will fish in the waters of Dublin Bay, roosting each evening at Sandy Mount Strand, before the time comes to depart. Most of our roseate and common terns will head for the coast of West Africa, but the Arctic terns will go even further, right to the Antarctic mainland, seemingly via places such as Madagascar, the Seychelles and New Zealand. During their lives they travel further than any creature on the planet, with some perhaps racking up 80,000 kilometers per year. I mentioned doom and gloom earlier, and unfortunately there's no getting away from it for long. The recently issued report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has made for a very stark reading indeed. And makes it clear beyond any doubt that human-caused climate change is already having a devastating impact on our planet and that time is quickly running out for us to minimise permanent damage and dire future consequences. The marine environment in particular stands to be impacted greatly by climate change, and indeed already has been. As ornithologists, we are very well attuned to the movements of birds and changes in their distribution and behaviour. The 1990s saw the colonisation of Ireland by both little egrets and Mediterranean gulls, two warm-weather-adapted, originally Southern European species that are now widespread and well-established in Ireland. We've also seen a shift in the species of fish that our seabirds are eating, as cold-water species retreat northwards and warm-water species advance. This could pose a threat to rockabills' terns. Already we are seeing the parent birds running into foraging problems and having to fly ever further from their colony to find enough food for their chicks. They're also now catching unsuitable prey, such as pipefish, that never used to occur in Irish waters. These pose a choking hazard to young seabird chicks that their parents seem unaware of, and this has led to increased chick mortality. Outside Irish waters, but still close to home, the situation is even more worrying. Colonies in places such as Scotland, Norway and Iceland, home for centuries to enormous numbers of nesting puffins, kittiwakes, fulmers and other seabirds, have been experiencing near total collapse. This appears mainly to be driven by a lack of food for the chicks, which itself has been driven in a large part by warming ocean temperatures altering the distribution of plankton, and therefore the small baitfish that feed on them. It has even been predicted that, unless something changes soon, puffins face total extinction within the next 100 years. We need to heed the warnings that our seas are shouting to us. Rapid changes in the behaviour and distribution of oceanic wildlife are one of the clearest signs of all that things are amiss, and that urgent and meaningful action is required. A walrus hauling itself onto boats along the south coast of Ireland might, for the time being, seem a fun, offbeat news story. Future generations may perhaps see it as the beginning of a tragedy. Seabirds need your help. If you would like to support conservation efforts to restore their populations, as well as to combat climate change, please become a member of Birdwatch Ireland, Ireland's largest and most active conservation charity. For full details, please visit www.birdwatchireland.ie.
0: Niall Hatch and the great organisation doing wonderful work. Birdwatch Ireland and a message about Wally the Walrus, a large animal which people need to respect and give the space it needs. That refers particularly to people in boats crowding around the walrus and also people ashore. There have been rare walrus sightings before, reported from the Shannon in May in 1987 and Mayo in 1999. Now, would you live in a floating apartment? Could living afloat be a solution to the housing crisis? After I referred recently on the show to developments in this regard, Simon Jennings contacted me from Urban Rigor, a Danish company which specialises in turning shipping containers into floating homes. A merchant navy officer himself with maritime seagoing experience around the world, he's the company's representative in Cork and has been telling me why Arklow, Cork and Dublin would be particularly suitable for this type of floating home.
4: Tom, it's, it's a very simple solution really to a pressing problem. Uh, you have a proven system in Denmark which is called Urban Rigor. They are found at urbanrigger.com. So in essence, what you have is a barge, a floating barge, which is created and forms the basis of a housing system, which is used upside up-cycle, upcycled containers. The most famous demonstration is that in Ireland, near Mahara, and uh, it's an award-winning design. But essentially, these are interlocked container units, which have been uh, converted into accommodation. Now, these are rather large units. These are full sized apartments. Uh, finished to a Scandinavian specification. So we have in Ireland some of the most underutilised water footage in Europe, whether it be Cork or Dublin. And Urban Rigor, the the housing system, seems to be the most apt solution to me. Um, It's a Danish design, so it's it's Scandinavian architecture. And the funny thing is that the most suitable locations for it in Ireland seem to be all the old Viking cities, be it Cork, Dublin, or Arclough.
0: What would be the objection to them that would be encounters? Is it because they would take visually from looking at the rivers, or the fact that there'd have to be new systems put in for you know sewage disposal, environmentally, all that kind of thing?
4: No, they're they're self-contained units. Um, The visual side of things, they're unobtrusive. If you look at uh, the lower Liffey or the or the upper lee, you can see a lot of modern design and building, so they wouldn't be in any way visually obtrusive. Uh, I think there's a a lack of imagination and political will in Ireland to to, um, create housing. We hear, we need acting on verba, eating on words. Uh, And when you look at uh, this system, it's rapid. It will create employment. It could actually have major export potential. So I think it's just a lack of imagination. Um, We're very conservative in Ireland. I think we need to be a little bit more progressive in the way we look at our housing solutions. So one place of note is Cork City, with the recent announcement of the development of the harbour for housing, particularly around Tivoli, um, with sewage etc. There's two options for that. These units are very, very self-sufficient. So either a, you could uh, with grey water you could do processing on board, but a simpler solution simply would be to connect. These are connected to the shore by a gangway. Um, The construction method itself is simple. You have a large barge. The containers, the upcycled containers go on top, and from there, you connect to the shore with utilities, electricity and water. No different to a ship going into dock. And through a simple system, uh, grey water will be pumped ashore into existing systems, so it's no great challenge. The units are are not free-floating per se, and they have a lifespan expectancy of about 100 years.
0: What kind of costs would be involved for people who would either buy them personally or would they be in the concept of local authority and providing social housing?
4: Whatever you can envisage brick and mortar housing to be used as, uh, these units would serve exactly the same purpose, whether it is a mixture of commercial and residential or social and private. Um, costs are very much on a par with uh, the construction costs of normal brick and mortar without the associated costs of land registry etc because they're ma- making they 're utilizing space that would otherwise be left unused
0: you're a ship's officer by profession, Simon, obviously you know a lot about water and the usage thereof i I get the indication even listening to places like Waterways Ireland and the use of canals and docks and so forth and the survey they're doing in the regard to using them perhaps for permanent living and the suitability therefore, I gather the impression that the public thought process might be getting towards the use of housing on the water as in other countries happening in Ireland.
4: Well, one hopes so. It's it's pretty apparent that the existing structures and processes that we use to provide housing at this point in time in Ireland is not working the way it should. And we're losing industry, we're losing jobs, not just because of the cost of accommodation, but also the availability. Um, It's pretty tough for people to find accommodation, whether it is people with a social housing list or in Cork's example, certainly young people moving to Ireland to work in high-tech, uh, chemical, and STEM industries. So, in order to attract that investment into Ireland, we need to provide available, not just affordable, but also available accommodation. Um, in addition to that, this system, the, the ideal situation for urban rigour would be to create, um, to actually do the construction locally. This would create jobs, it would create uh, a skilled training set. So it's just a question of imagination and the political will. These are nothing unusual. Living on water in an urban situation is very, very attractive to people. If you look at places like the Netherlands, Rotterdam, Amsterdam, or Seattle in the United States, they do tend to have these type of house barge. They're more detached. These are more apartment ideas. But even as they're detached, these are considered high-end solutions to um, the housing crisis.
0: What kind of response have you or your company got from putting this forward to the public authorities?
4: Well, it depends on who you deal with, really. But essentially, we hope to uh, engage in the public consultation here in Cork. Um, some people are receptive. Uh, other people are very seem to be reluctant to even engage in the idea. They seem to think it's a niche market. Uh, The fact is that it is a proven solution. Um, The reception has been mixed, but again, I think it's a lack of understanding of the system or perhaps a lack of imagination.
0: So, what do you think about a floating home? That proposal from Simon Jennings, and urban rigour is a concept used in other countries. Now, there's no one at home on Rockall Island, 228 nautical miles northwest of Torrey Island off Donegal, because it's nothing more than an uninhabited rock, possibly the rump of an extinct volcano. But it has become very controversial. The UK, after Brexit, has claimed ownership and of territorial waters around Rockall and the Scottish government has blocked and warned off Irish fishing boats. The Irish government doesn't accept that a rock which can't sustain human habitation can have an exclusive zone. Denmark and the Faroes also dispute the UK's claim and the United Nations Law of the Sea Convention also denies it. But could the Doyle's decision to pass the Maritime Jurisdiction Bill last month, which appears to encompass a 2014 agreement between the then-government and the UK, have scuppered Ireland's claims to traditional fishing rights around Rockall? Podrick McLaughlin, marine and fisheries spokesman of Sinn Féin, has called for the government to go to international arbitration about
2: Rockall. It appears that in the absence of the British government uh, pulling away from their position that they uh, exercise a 12-mile limit uh, around Rockall and they are keeping uh, Irish fishing boats out of that 12-mile limit, uh, that in the absence of the British government backing down in that position, which is outrageous, uh, then uh, we will need to go to international arbitration. And I, I appeal for the Minister for Foreign Affairs and indeed the Minister for the Marine to do that uh, when, when they when they incorporated the 2014 agreement into Irish law uh, as of uh, the Marine Jurisdiction Bill in recent weeks. Uh, and I think that was utterly wrong at a time when they're negotiating with the British.
0: So does that mean that Ireland has lost its, its, its leverage in relation to
2: Rockall? There are many people who would argue that the 2013 agreement, which was incorporated into a statutory instrument uh, in 2014, that it is unconstitutional, uh, in that the Barlow case found that uh, laws that are uh, handing uh, away, or agreements that are handing away... Um, territory, uh, 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 of our countries um, uh, or of our persons, uh, that that should be debated in the Houses of the Oireachtas by the directly elected representatives of the people. Uh, That was clearly the finding of the Supreme Court in the Barlow case. So therefore the argument is is that the 2014 agreement, which was never debated uh, and taken through the Houses, uh, such an important agreement that would accept British control over Rockall. Um, So what has happened in the last two weeks is that on page 10 of the Maritime Jurisdiction Bill, that agreement has now been taken clearly under Irish law. Uh, It was debated uh, through the Houses, so it is now law under the Constitution. There can be no doubt about that. That was the wrong thing for the Irish government to do. But number two, clearly that agreement was fundamentally undermined by Brexit uh, in that waters that were under the jurisdiction of a common fisheries policy are now entirely under British control. Hence the reason why we are losing millions and millions of euro, of valuable, in some cases crucial, uh, fish to uh, boats uh, from Donegal down to Cork. Uh, It's an outrageous situation and we made it worse by putting it into Irish law without any question whatsoever.
0: International arbitration would surely be a very long process.
2: Well, uh, the problem right now is that we are seven months on from the outrageous intervention by the British government keeping Irish boats out from what is their historical fishing grounds, an act of supreme bad faith, seven months on, and our government has not resolved that issue. I have raised it repeatedly, uh, as have other TDs, and they have not resolved it. Uh, They assured us that it would be resolved quickly uh, when this happened back in January and February. Uh, Here we are uh, at the end of July. It's not resolved. So, I mean, if they can't resolve it themselves, then you do need to look at international arbitration. I also argue that Ireland should... Uh, and we haven't done this, but we we should now make a counterclaim uh, to Rockall. Uh, and the other point is that the, the likes of 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 Denmark, Iceland, the Faroes, they they don't uh, recognise the British claim to Rockall. This is a disputed claim internationally, so it should be challenged. Joining forces with other countries to challenge the British claim to it.
0: Patrick McLaughlin. Marine and Fisheries Spokesman of Sinn Féin. He comes from Donegal, where the fishing industry is particularly irate about the issue. And from the same Donegal-Doyle constituency is the Minister for the Marine, Charlie McConnell, Oak, who, with Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney, also a former Marine Minister, has denied suggestions that the government has lost rights to rock oil. We move on to an Anglo-Irish artist based in Suffolk in England whose father came from Lismaha in County Roscommon and whose mother is from Spittle in County Galway. Kevin Heaney, a retired teacher and artist, wants to give something back to the planet with a focus on marine conservation and ocean pollution, particularly from plastics through his project, Global Shorelines. It's appropriate and topical at this time with so much concentration
3: on climate change. He outlined it to Justin Marr. You can imagine, you know, you're standing somewhere in the Caribbean and you look down at your feet and all you can see is plastic washing up on the beach, (laughs) and that is not a great thing to see. At the same time, I've seen some fantastic unspoilt places, but really I was kind of motivated to say to myself, is there anything I can do about this? So that's kind of where it started, using the responses that I'd made to shorelines to put work together, sell the work, and then give all the money to the Marine Conservation Society over here. Um, And then doing that, I thought, well, let's try and go international. Kevin Heaney sought artistic inspiration from the shoreline during his retirement travels. And though he found it, He also found a desire to help preserve its beauty. Kevin founded Global Shorelines, a marine conservation arts project that looks to collect and display the works of anyone who's captured something wonderful by the coastline, while helping to support the work of marine conservation groups. The intention was never to go for uh, professional photographers. The idea was just to get people who were interested and invested in the sea and in the idea of conservation related to the sea. And that's where initially all all the photographs came from. Um, There are so many people who get out on the shores around the world because they love the sea. Um, They get out with their smartphone or their camera. So it must be fairly easy to ask people to send me a photograph of something dramatic that you've seen along a shoreline somewhere. And sure enough, it took off. (laughs) So... um, went live in uh, April 2019, roughly two years later. I've got hundreds and hundreds of photographs now from all over the planet. Um, I have to say, Ireland was one of the first. Some of your compatriots up on the West Coast there have been fantastic, and they really kind of kicked it off for me, really. As soon as people see one or two shots coming forward, they think, well, I've got something like that as well. It's just getting people to have the confidence to send a shot through. I've been um, really gratified by the fact that so many people have been very open and willing to share their experiences with the project without any comeback to them really. There's nothing that you can get out of it other than the idea that you're helping a project and maybe we'll we'll raise some money um, to do some good in terms of marine conservation. The project's website, globalshorelines.com, is full of incredible images and Global Shorelines will be exhibiting in Scotland next spring. Kevin is on the hunt for other venues, and he's particularly keen to bring the exhibition to Ireland. I'm part Irish, both of my parents are from Ireland. So it's quite important to me to get over there if I can with the project. And I'm also going up to Scotland. I'm looking at places around the UK I can go to, hopefully getting across to Europe, maybe into Holland and France. And I've made a couple of connections in Massachusetts as well. So um, if I can actually manage to sort out the logistics, hopefully I can get the work over there and raise a bit of money for a marine conservation project there. If you're invested in nature, I can't think of anything that's a better personification than the sea, really. People talk about, have you been to this sea or whatever, but there is only one ocean when it comes right down to it, really. And if we mess that up, it's messed up everywhere. You know, there are people all over the globe trying to hold back this tide of plastic. Um, This is the thing that I've gone for to try and make at least a small difference to it.
0: Justin Marr talking there to Kevin Healy about his international project, Global Shorelines, which he hopes to bring to Ireland. His website, where he'd like to hear of Irish interest, is globalshorelines.com. That's globalshorelines.com. And so we end this edition of the Maritime Ireland Radio Show, which is broadcast on 18 community radio stations around Ireland. In Cork on CRY 104 FM Yole, West Cork FM, Bear Island Radio and UCC Radio. In Dublin on the FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. In Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. On Dundalk FM, on Athlone Community Radio, on Kilkenny City Radio and in Mayo on Community Radio. Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Bell Mollet. on Southwest Clear Radio, Radio Cock of Boschkeen, on West Limerick 102 FM and Tip Midwest Radio in Tipperary, and with podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, Spotify, and the Marine Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the maritime community. The program website is at Tom where there's also a weekly blog. That's Tomac, sweetie, marine.ie, or look up the Maritime Ireland Radio Show. Our email address is Maritime Radio Show at gmail.com That's Maritime Ireland Radio Show at gmail.com and your views on the marine sphere are very welcome. Our phone and text number is 872 197 That's 0872-555-197 Some supervision on the program by Justin Marr. Until our next program, you can follow more marine news on Twitter at TomXSweedy. Until our next program then, usual wish of fair sailing.